It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the, the Sports, sports Rush, Rush with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all time. You are incredible! Listen to me, I'm older and I'm wise. Eh, well, you're half right. What is this, amateur hour? This is going to be huge. I believe this is going to be our finest hour. Just when I think you've said the stupidest thing ever, you keep talking. I think that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That boy ain't right. The simplest way to put it, I have problems. Welcome to the alleged show. Ah, a little white snake now for this hour. I like it. I like it. Taking you home here on a Tuesday afternoon here on the Sports Rush. Your daily local sports fix from 4 to 6. Have a great second hour here for you today. Mike Nutter from the 10 Caps. Will be coming on as will Zach Osterman will be joining us this hour. We'll talk a little baseball, a little IU basketball. Hoosiers battle tonight at home against Iowa. And I'm in for Brett Rump today as he is getting ready and prepared for the big game tonight as the Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodons take on the Detroit Mercy Titans right here on 1380 The Fan, 645 pregame, 7 o'clock tip. Purdue Fort Wayne 17 and 14 overall in the year. Detroit is at 13 and 18. However, the Dons lost both meetings this year to the Titans. And so I like this matchup um, and the way the brackets lay out for the Dons. Now, they had a lot of players coming back this year uh, that. Uh, we're back for one reason, and that was to do something that hadn't been done, to get a championship and a berth into the NCAA. Um, I think uh, Rumpy talked a little bit about this yesterday for the Dons, and I'm going to reiterate some of those things because uh, looking at it, I think the Dons are better when they have all five guys on the floor playing defense. They have to bring the defensive juice tonight against the Titans. And, of course, Mr. Godfrey has to continue his scoring paralysis as that is, the to me, their remedy to beat Detroit at home. And I do believe they have an opportunity to do that. I, um, uh, I know that uh, they're coming off a big win against the Phoenix of Green Bay this past weekend. And some will say, well, that wasn't really that big. You know, Green Bay hasn't been all that good. But I think winning a game, stepping into the conference tourney is always a boost. And I think they have to, you know, have to utilize anything that they can tonight defensively, offensively to get themselves a chance against Detroit. And if they would happen to win that game tonight, they will then play Cleveland State. And that would be on Thursday, if my memory on the chart here is correct. You got it. And, uh... You know, I kind of like their path. I really do. I mean, uh, I know Cleveland State's a good ball club, and they'll have their, you know, Purdue will have their hands full. But I do like their opportunity that they got. It seems like this bracket shapes up a little better for them than being in that upper part to get them get themselves a chance to get to Indy. That's what they got to figure out. Get themselves a chance to get to Indy and then let the chips fall where they may with that. But it starts tonight with defense. They have to have it. 
on, and I'm talking all five guys, because at times uh, that's probably been a little bit of their Achilles heel when they're not all five on the same page. And then, of course, you know, Godfrey and his scoring abilities. And, you know, there's other guys in the lineup, too. Uh, Plantis, his ability, built, uh, built, uh, Bill Ups, Bill Ups um, are all three capable scorers for the Mastodons. You got any thoughts on, on, on uh, their opportunity in front of us? Yeah, I certainly can't look ahead to anything that they'd be playing in this next round because it all is about tonight right now. Right. Um, it's a big game. I'm, I can't say that I'm super confident going into this game tonight for really? the Dons. There's a potential for them to win, but, uh, yeah, it's just what they really have to do is they have to come out strong, like you said. It's mm-hmm. just what, what we can't do and what we haven't been able to do all season is uh, allow a first-half deficit to occur. If, if, mm-hmm. if the Don, I mean, we know what happens to the Dons when they go into the halftime uh, without the lead. When, they, when they're when they trailing, they, they don't yeah. tend to come back in the second half. So it's it, it, I really think it, it comes down to that first half and that initial attack and like you said the Don's just the offense has to be firing on all cylinders and the defense does have to be there just to get that lead I think if the Don's can go into the half with the lead they'll feel a lot more comfortable but uh, it's a tough task especially on the road at their at their gym it's it's going to be a tough one yeah it, yeah it's it's tough going on the road uh, it's I don't think it's as tough as it once was. Um, in these days and times, you know, I like, you know, Dane Fife had their game earlier and he had a, you know, he talked a little bit about with Brett, you know, the breakdown of the roster and stuff. And he was honestly uh, quite complimentary of the five guys that they have and the ability that they have. And there's no doubt they have some talent that enables them to do some things, but it all deter- de- depends upon five guys and, and the guys off the bench being in the right frame of mind and how to win a road basketball game in the tourney. And uh, it's not going to be one on the first shot of the game. And uh, you've got to put yourself in a position in the second half that you're ready to do what it takes to get the win. But I'm for the Dons in this game tonight, and um, I think they're going to do it. I really do. I, I, I like Kaufman. I like the way he coaches. Um you know, I like I like the makeup of the team, um, but you know, the scoreboard will ultimately tell the truth on that one. And then the Lady Dons play tonight. They also play as uh, Detroit uh, Titans, and the Lady Dons, Maria Macasano, my friend, got her start at Manchester University. Uh, has won all four games against the Titans of late. Two of this year, I think two of last year. So the Lady Dons may also have an opportunity to move on to after tonight. High school sectional start tonight. We talked to Victoria Jacobson earlier uh, today about some of those games and uh, who's all where and such. Uh, I know that up at, uh, I can't find my bracket here. I've got everything everywhere. Up at Garrett, the Dwanger Saints play Angola tonight, as does Concordia play Leo. Uh, tomorrow night and also tomorrow night, Garrett Woodland. Uh, that Woodland, I think that one, Concordia and Woodland would be the predominant favorites to move on there. Busco and uh, Westview play tonight. Uh, Westview is up, uh, has a 14 8 record. And then, of course, Fremont and Perry Hots play tonight. Eastside and Central Noble were the two that got the buys. Adam Central Whitco tonight. Manchester Bluffin tomorrow, as is South. Adams and Blackhawk Christian. 
you got to think that they're the favorite there in that sectional. But uh, quite a bit of different sectional games coming over the next couple of days as we're kicking off that tourney time, which I think of, of all uh, is the best time of year in some respects. And uh, IU tonight, we're going to talk to Zach about that. Yeah, we actually got a got a kind of a funny question about this game tonight on the text line. Uh, they asked, "Do you think Iowa men's basketball coach will make it through the entire game tonight?" In talking about <laughs> Fran McCaffrey, they say, "I do not. He is the modern day Bob Knight." Uh, kind of, uh, yeah. Kind of just referencing. Did you see uh, the stare down? Yeah, I did. That was. I thought uh, that was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what that we're doing. That dude is. I don't know. I'm going to ask Zach about that, but <laughs> he does. I mean, I don't think there's any love loss between him and Woodson because I, I think Woodson has come out pretty, pretty hard in the in the press about some of his antics. But IU tonight got to get Jackson Davis going. Uh, you know, uh, Jalen Hood Shafino has to continue his hot hand and then find that bench production somehow, some way. Xavier Johnson, we'll see. Uh, then the Boilers take on Wisconsin on Thursday. That's at Wisconsin. Now, we've talked about Fletcher Lore, Caleb First, but this uh, Connor Asijan, the kid from Central Noble, is up at Wisconsin, and he's having himself a year. Uh, the young man, I think he actually set a freshman record uh, the other night uh, where he was at, but I think he's averaging... Let's see, he's averaging right now about, what was it, 16, 17 points a game, I think. No, I'm sorry, he's averaging about 12 points a game. But he has played some tremendous minutes. He's been in their top five rotation. He's having himself a year here at the end. Really, when you expect freshmen to start tailing off is towards the end of the year because they're just not used to the rigors of a Big Ten schedule. But Connor, boy, I tell you, he's had himself a good year. And, you know, again, we've had some great local talent go out and do things at the major college level, not just in football, now in the basketball aspect of things. And it's neat to see these kids have success. And the Boilers are get a first look at him on or second look at him at Wisconsin here on Thursday. But those are some of the things that are happening around here now. I know we may have some winners for the Doobie Brothers. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, shout out to Nick and shout out to Drew, uh, who both won a pair of tickets to the Doobie Brothers coming up in June at the Allen County War Memorial Coliseum. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoy that upcoming show later this year. Well, I tell you, I'm a little jealous. I, I know. Mean, I was gonna say. I know I you could, thought about texting I, in. Well, I did. I really did. But I figured I'm gonna get caught, and then I'm probably ineligible because I'm actually sitting in in the seat. So yeah. I didn't want to cause any controversy, so I stayed out of it. But two great uh, packages there to go see the Doobie Brothers here in June. I can't be- imagine a better night in in the su- or in the early summer of going to the Doobie Brother concert at the Memorial Coliseum, and we had talked about. Even in a venue like Embassy or even the Frankie Park, when they have their summer concert series, it's pretty fabulous to see some of these acts come into Fort Wayne. And um, I've partaken in a few, uh, and uh, I'm a little, uh, 
I guess, favorite of REO Speedwagon. I've seen them perform a couple times out of, out of there at the, at the Follinger Theater. So Very cool. Yeah, it is. It is a very cool uh, atmosphere out there to watch a concert and, and get to see some of your old-time, I hate to say this, you know, old-time favorites. I mean, <laughs> these guys seem to me like yesterday, you know. Yeah. Um, but now they're considered the oldies but goodies. But, well, you know. I guess it is what it is, and we have to, you know, move along in that respect. But, you know, we had a couple questions on the text line earlier, right? Yeah. And I know, I know there was some about the comments, uh, some frustration. And I understand the frustration because when you're at the end of the day, you look at the wins or losses. You don't really care about what happened during the game. You care about the wins and losses. And the comments haven't always got out to a great start. I mean, a 13-point Goal differential in the first period tells you right now that they're playing from behind more times than not. Um, but um, I still feel confident about this group of boys or kids, or I should say young man for that matter, because they are professionals. Now, losing uh, Ty uh, Fellow Harbor up to Milwaukee stings a little bit because, you know, you lose a guy like him, and Winquist went overseas. There's two of your top scorers. Luke Berzin came in on hot. He's now in Cleveland playing there. You know, you're losing some pretty pretty uh, talented people that move up. But this is a time that you got to see guys like Oliver Cooper come back in the lineup and make and 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 make make plays. Matt Bowden's, who's been out for the better part of the year, has to come back and make things happen. He's got to do whatever it takes to make things happen on the ice, even if that means he's got to go in the corners and mix, muck it up a little bit. And if it cause, if he needs to do things where he drops the gloves to get the boys uh, invigorated, then that's what he's got to do. Uh, but these guys have got to start stepping up and putting pucks in the net because at the end of the day, you can have as many shots as you want. But if you're not scoring goals... Uh, and the comments, when they're hot, they're scoring goals, and they come in droves. Uh, but I still like their oppor- what's in front of them and uh, getting healthy and getting some guys back, maybe getting some guys down from Bakersfield. We'll see, but I still have a belief that they can do it. I'm an eternal optimist, I guess you could say. Is that right? Uh, always looking at the bright side of the coin. Yeah. And the coach and me, I can look at the games this weekend, and and, and I could say, look, they played well at San, uh, South Carolina. It was an ice delay and a bad penalty in the final two minutes of the game that cost them an opportunity to get at least uh, a point out of that that game. Down in Savannah, they dominated that those two games, but unfortunately, they did score. I mean, uh, and Savannah scored on their opportunities and bounces. And, of course, like last night and the other night on Atlanta, same thing. They had opportunities to put the puck in the net, and unfortunately they didn't do it. So some of the other guys have got to step up now that they're losing some of these top guys. And we'll get into that, but we're going to step away right here. What Do you have something? Yeah, hey, let's go ahead and do another giveaway oh, while we're at it. Okay. Let's, let's do that, Shannon. Uh, hey, we're going. Let's what, do it. What I've got here now to give away is a pair of tickets to the – Horizon League Tournament Championship game. This is going to be at on March 7th at the Indiana Farmers Coliseum in Indianapolis, and it'll be whoever will be yeah. the, the two, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the two finalists there in the Horizon League. So, since uh, the Dons are going up to play Detroit Mercy tonight, if you want to win a pair of tickets to the Horizon League Tournament Championship March 7th, all you have to do is text Mercy to four six eight six two. 
I like it. Mercy to 46862 Parkview Sports Medicine Hotline. We'll get all that covered. If you want to, cha- I, I would encourage you to text in for those tickets because that championship game in the Horizon League will be a diamond, uh, a dynam- a dynamite game to watch, especially at this time of year because you get some of the best basketball. But we'll step aside. We got to pay some bills here. We'll be right back here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Spring baseball is in full swing, and come April the 6th, the Tin Caps will start their season with their first home game coming on the 11th of April after a three-game series up in West Michigan. And joining us now on the guest hotline is the president of the Tin Caps, as well as the 2022 executive of the year. Mr. Mike Nutter. Mike, how are you doing? Coach, it's great to be on with you. Thanks for having me on tonight. Well, I know we haven't had the opportunity to speak that much, but uh, certainly I am very well of what you've done with the 10 caps and the success of a minor league baseball team in the Summit City. Uh, It's not an easy thing to do, but you've done it with a beautiful ballpark, a pretty darn good fan base. And Fort Wayne proves once again that they are the capital of minor league sports. But now that we're a new season upon us and a new manager stepping into the spotlight, why don't you give us a little bit of insight on your new manager, Jonathan Matthews, who was a hitting coach, I believe, last year? Correct. You know, he is a great guy. He's a friend of mine. Um, He is a lifetime baseball guy. So Johnny is an Iowa native. His father is in the game and i think his dad is doing something like his 50th year in professional baseball this year unbelievable he's a national cross checker scout so our manager john johnny matthews he likes to go by johnny he uh literally grew up around the game coached it at a junior college in iowa after he went there uh used to be with a couple other teams in this league the padres love him he's got a great gift as a as a teacher and a leader, he's got a freshman boy and girl that are in college, twins. One plays softball, one plays baseball. I think his son Merrick has a good chance to play professionally. So literally, they are baseball lifers. He was so excited uh, to get back as a manager. And so uh, he's doing it with us, and we could not be happier. He knows us, and we know him, and and uh, there's a lot genuine excitement on both sides. Well, that's an awesome, awesome story that you told us there with a family that's been a a, be- a baseball, softball family. So we got to give credit to his wife, uh, uh, certainly, uh, because she's been the one that's been driving people around if he's been in baseball. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, he's gone. I ask him all the time, I'm like, how's your kids so good if you're gone? And he laughs and he says, well, it's boot camp in the winter, and he lives yeah. well. well. So, uh, you know that deal. Your son kept playing a long time. Yeah. So, it's, the coach's kid is not always easy, especially in this day and age where everybody thinks special treatment and all the expert coaches up in the bleachers that are the well, let me, Well, but, let uh, me say this, as, and I'm sure Johnny knows this answer. If you're playing the same day as the son's playing, yeah. Don't worry about wife showing up for your game because she's going to no. the son's game no. because that's exactly where she should be. And that's what my yeah. wife did. And 
Uh, she said, I drove them around. I'm going to go watch them. You yep. can go do your thing. <laughs> say you missed your son caught two touchdowns yeah, that's right. in the corner of the end zone. That's right. Thanks, honey. <laughs> that's right. Well, a good friend of mine just uh, was picked up to, uh, to get coached with the New York Yankees. Derek, oh, Wood- right on. De- Derek Woodley was the head coach at Defiance College in Ohio, and he got an opportunity with the Yankees. So I understand awesome. I understand some of these young managers and, and looking for opportunities, and they get that opportunity in Major League Baseball. It's it's the thrill of the lifetime. But at the same time, they're there to groom young young men to become Major League Baseball players. And right now, spring training is in full swing. You know, one question, and I'm a little bit, I guess you could say, ignorant when it comes to the minor league systems and how they operate around spring, is all your players of the Padres in Arizona right now, yeah. are, they, are they in their routine? And how does that yeah. how does that go? So that's a great question. So in the case of the Padres, they are in Peoria, Arizona. They share a complex with the Seattle Mariners. And uh, Jack Parisi just signed last week an old homestead kid. Yeah. A Mariners contract. Right. So the big league guys have probably been out there for two or three weeks. And the minor league guys are getting there this week coming up. Okay. So they have a more abbreviated camp. There literally could be... 150, 200 guys on the minor league side. Yeah. But they're trying to make the triple A and double A and high A and low A. And some guys are coming back from rehab and everything like that. So they're literally, it's one of those things that if fans listening to us are ever in Florida or Arizona during spring training, it is one of the coolest times. Oh, yeah. Because you could be back there watching next week guys that are going to be the tin caps. Um, and then. Fernando Tatis Jr. is going to get at bats in that game just on some backfield free admission because he's trying to come back from his suspension and injuries and getting his timing down. So the minor leaguers don't quite live in the Ritz-Carlton like the big league guys, but they're out there in the same area, and it's cool for them. Oh, I bet. I I guarantee. Now, are you you going out there? Yeah. uh, I'm going to go out. My son's a freshman down at IU Bloomington, and uh, we're going to do a – uh, father-son trip. We've never done one. Uh, middle of March during IU spring break. And the neat thing is, for the first time ever when we're out there, the World Baseball Classic is going on in Phoenix just oh, yeah. about 30 minutes down the road. And I saw something the other day that showed the U.S. lineup was Trey Turner, who's a former tin cap, and Mookie Betts. And, I wow. mean, it was Mike Trout. It was guy after guy. And so we might sneak over and I always get into soccer and, and hockey a little more when the guys are wearing the Team USA stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to do it for baseball for the first time. So well, that'll that sounds, be fun. Yeah, awesome Meet trip. the rest of our staff because I've never met. So I told you all those great things about Johnny. We've literally never met anybody else that's coming. So pitching <laughs> coach, hitting coach, bench coach, trainer, strength coach, all those things. We've never met any of them. So we'll... They already know. There, well, somebody texted the other day on the staff and said, "Is what people say about the fans in Fort Wayne true?" I said, "Yeah, man. If you get here in time for Comet hockey, you'll see about nine thousand people in the jungle, and you've never seen anything like it." Yeah, and they'll trot over to put another four or five thousand in the seats there at the ten caps. What yeah. are what are some names uh, the Fort Wayne uh, faithful can keep an eye on as we as we start so, winding down? I hope uh, the Padres, and they know I love them, so if they hear this, uh, you know, they're they're probably 
CNN, one of the most, not one of, probably the most aggressive team with promoting people. Mm-hmm. So for years, they had the youngest age group at every level in their minors. Wow. And the Major League General Manager, A.J. Preller, who comes to Fort Wayne a couple times a year and loves it here, he'll say, not really sink or swim, but like, let's see what they're made of mentally and physically. I mean, we get guys that dominated in high school that, not literally, but almost literally, have never faced. You know, some kid walks in and hit, he hits 600 in high school with 15 home runs. Right. Well, that, that, that's about to change to a 200 average, you know, in a hurry. And so there's a young guy, a first-round pick named Jackson Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. Uh, we jokingly say he's the only guy the Padres didn't trade last year. Uh, <laughs> he should be with us. He was their number one pick. He comes out of high school. The reports as a human being are as good as they are as a player. And so he's the big name. They gave him millions of dollars to not go to – you know, Vanderbilt or one of these right. schools. And so uh, that'll be the name. And uh, I texted my son two nights ago. It was the first major league game, and they played Jackson in it, which they'll do for the number one picks sometimes. And he went three for three against major league pitching. And oh. I texted my son, and I said, well, he's not coming. You know, yeah, so, uh, yeah you he know. won't be here for long. Yeah, I love it. That's one of the best parts about my job. When we get going – and somebody gets on fire, and you've seen it in every sport, but somebody just has one of those games or one of those weeks in baseball where you're playing every night, and I'll be walking the concourse, and some fan will come up. How long till they take him? Yeah. <laughs> like, I understand that. And we were not very good last year with the one-loss record. Hopefully we're better. The team that we're getting at the level below us won the league championship in the California League, and so we should have some good holdovers from – uh, some of the bigger guys from the year before that were just getting their feet acclimated in uh, minor league ball. And so a lot of excitement. Tickets just went on sale last Friday. So that's all on tincaps.com, and we're pumped about another great season downtown. Well, Mike, I really appreciate you stepping in today and coming on and talking with me a little baseball. And like you said, your first home opener is April the 11th out at Parkview Field. And we'll look for more information 10caps.com and all those places that you can find all the information. Mike, thanks for coming on the rush today. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Mike Nutter, president of the 10 Caps here on the Sports Rush. We're going to step aside. We'll be back here on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Reminder, we have the Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodons coming up at 645 tonight as they take on Detroit Titans in the first round of the Horizon League Tournament, and then uh, the Pacers and Mavericks will be joined in progress tonight. And then tomorrow, Notre Dame versus Pitt, and of course the Comets versus Toledo on the sister station, WoWo 1190. But the Hoosiers are coming off another win over number 5 Purdue Saturday, 79-71, to led by the hot hand of Jalen Hood-Shafino, 35 points. And tonight, the Hoosiers take on Iowa. And the Hawkeyes beat IU back in January, 91-89. And uh, I think if IU can finish up strong and do well in the tourney, they could be a 4-5 or five seed. But let's get Indy Star beat writer Zach Osterman to give us the lowdown of the IU and their game tonight against the Hawkeyes. Zach, thanks for joining us today. Good to be here as always. All right, buddy. Well... You know, just a quick glimpse back into that uh, Purdue game as we talked, you know, right after that uh, Michigan State loss. 
IU really has produced number this year because they just went into Mackey. And, of course, Jalen Hood-Shafino, he had a night for himself. And even with Jackson Davis, really still kind of sluggish. Yeah, I think think there are some ways in which Indiana does actually just have some matchup advantages on this Purdue team. Indiana's got bigger guards and more experienced guards. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Zach Eady is a, a really good player. But I think you saw a little bit of kind of the extremes Purdue felt it had to go to to protect the rim after what Trace Jackson Davis was able to do to them in Bloomington um, because Jackson Davis is more mobile. He's a little bit more athletic in terms of his ability to move in space, uh, to get downhill, whether it's with or without the ball. And so Purdue really had to flatten a lot of stuff out, drop Edie even deeper off screens. And where you saw Jalen Hoshifino get comfortable is where he often does when he scores a lot of points, which is in that mid-range game. He comes around the corner. There's not a big man there sort of hedging the screen, and so he just pulls up for a long two. Um, but having said all that, it's not just about matchups. That was a, an incredibly difficult environment. That may be oh, as yeah. loud as I've ever heard, Mackey Arena. Um, and that's saying something. I've, I've obviously been there for some remarkable atmospheres down the years. And for Indiana to you know, kind of fight to stay in it in the first half when Purdue was probably getting a little bit of the sort of the, the matchup advantage, the adjustment advantage. Indiana used halftime really well. And then once Indiana pulled ahead in that game, they, they never trailed again. That's right. Uh, there's, I think, a, a lot of – there's a lot to be said for sort of the maturity in Indiana's performance. And that's a player like Jerry, uh, Jalen Huchifino with, with just the, the sheer numbers he put up. That's Trace Jackson Davis, frankly – you know, kind of deferring to Hood Shafino and mm-hmm. still finding other ways to impact the game. Eight rebounds, seven assists. That's obviously guys like Miller Kopp and Trey Galloway and Race Thompson, you know, filling those gaps, playing good defense, finding key points at key times. It was just a very solid game overall for Indiana. Absolutely. And I was going to mention Miller Kopp, Trey Galloway, and then, of course, you mentioned Race Thompson. Those those kids really stepped up in that environment, especially Galloway and Kopp, because both had 13 they, they shot the ball well, and Indiana shot the ball well overnight. They were 50% from uh, the field and actually 46.7% from three-point range. So they really were a hot hand that night where Purdue just really never got anything going uh, shooting-wise because they probably had one of their worst performance shooting. They were 35% from the field, 21.7% from three. That says something, too, about IU's defense, which they're going to need and shifting over to tonight's matchup against Iowa. This game, uh, I think, is uh, hopefully a game that Jackson Davis gets going as well as the other three continue on their their scoring uh, in, uh, input. Yeah, this is a pretty standard Fran McCaffrey-Iowa team. Um, mm-hmm. They score a lot. They can shoot the ball really well. They're not a lot to write home about defensively. They'll present you some difficulties if they can find their three-point range. Um, on the other hand, you know, and then this is hardly just an Iowa thing, um, they're a lot better at home than they are on the road when it comes to shooting splits, scoring splits, efficiency splits, things like that. Right. Um, you know, this was obviously, you mentioned that Indiana lost this, the, the return fixture of this series in Iowa City. That was the first game back after the Big Ten restart. Indiana actually led that game, I think, by 21 points at one point. In the yes, they half. did. Yeah. I'm struggling to remember the, the exact um, margin. But Race Thompson got injured that night, and before he'd gotten injured, Chris Murray had really struggled to score with Thompson covering him. Thompson had been Indiana's primary cover. 
Murray only had seven points when Thompson went down with, I think, about six or seven minutes left in the first half, and he finished with 30. So, so you get the sense for how much Indiana missed Race Thompson within the game plan that night. But I think that was also at a time when Indiana was still sort of struggling to find, and I know we've talked about this before, the balance that this team has been looking for a lot of the year in terms of playing faster than they did a year ago, playing a little bit more open and aggressive offensively than they did a year ago, knowing they can win games scoring points more than they could a year ago, but not wanting that to come at the expense of good, solid defense. And I don't think Indiana really found that balance at that point in the season. And it's not like they're a machine now. It's not always automatic right now. But I think they're in a much better place in terms of understanding how to inject some pace into their game without letting the pace of that game get them sloppy, get them, you know, missing on details, and in particular really struggling defensively. So, obviously, Iowa will feel good about themselves. That was a wild game in Iowa City <laughs> on Saturday. The, the, the Fran McCaffrey stare down, all those threes at <laughs> the end in overtime. Um, Unbelievable. If you're Indiana, you know, this is a game that I think you should feel like you can win. Yeah, and I was going to bring that up. That was such a crazy game for Iowa, 18-11 and 11 on the year, but – the France stare down with the official. I, I just, to me, I was like, what is going on? I mean, here's a guy that's kind of the, uh, been around for a while. And I know he's not, uh, I guess you call an altar boy on the, on the bench when it comes to officials, but for him to just sit there and stare down that official for about three minutes, it, it just, it, it just blew my mind a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you, you kind of walk the line sometimes with, with Fran McCaffrey a little bit between, you know, what is, is sort of quirky and his personality and what should maybe the league step in with. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's had, a, I, think, I think, one suspension in the past. Obviously, there was the incident in the IU game earlier in the year where he came over to the IU bench. It appeared uh, Paul Zelk, one of the officials, whistled him for a technical foul, and then that was waved off. Uh, that would have been, had it been given, that would have been McCaffrey's second ejection of that, or excuse me, second technical foul of that game, which would obviously have resulted in an ejection. Um, you know, it's I, I don't. You can sort of <laughs> choose your own adventure with Fran. I, you know, I, I I can understand people who think it's colorful, who think that intensity translates to his team. I can understand people who say they'd like to see it reined in just a little bit. But one way or another, I, I do think you 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 have to at least respect he has made Iowa a consistent force. They've got a clear identity again. You know what you're getting anytime you play a Fran McCaffrey coached Iowa team. They're going to score some points on you. They're going to make some shots on you. They're going to force you by pressuring the scoreboard to really keep up with them. And it's it's going to be interesting to see if Indiana. Indiana's only played one game in its last five at home. They've mm-hmm. been on the road a lot lately, and they finished with two on the two at home here against two teams that would look at Indiana as a real sort of jewel in the crown of their NCAA tournament resume. Can Absolutely. Indiana hold serve? It's going to be very important. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about Iowa and Michigan kind of needing both wins more so than you can say about Indiana. But I think Indiana needs these two wins just to uh, polish that resume a little bit to finish up seven and two before they head into the Big Ten tourney. Um, You know, I think they can be a four or five seed. I don't know what you feel on that. But before you jump into that a little bit, any updates on Johnson on his possibilities of coming back? Yeah, um, to, to the second part first, um, it clearly seems like he's moving in a positive direction. There's been a lot more talk lately of Mike Woodson hoping he can be back. You know, last week he said he hoped he could be back this week. 
on his radio show Monday night. He said he, he won't play tonight, but he hoped he could be back on uh, on Sunday against Michigan. Obviously, you are running out of road here in terms of getting him back and giving him the time necessary to get his legs back underneath him and, and get really kind of ingratiated back into a team that I don't want to say is, is better without him because I, I don't think that, that they are, but I, they've obviously grown up while he has been injured. This team has matured and evolved while he's been out, and he's going to have to kind of find his way back into it a little bit. The problem you have is, you know, you, you, Big Ten Tournament is literally sort of like you play, if you win, you play the next day, if you win, you play the next day, so there's not a lot of downtime there in terms of play him and then recovery right. and therapy and whatever else. And then when you get into the NCAA Tournament, it's not that much better. You know, you play maybe like on a Friday, and then if you win, you play on a Sunday, and then if you win that game, you're playing on a Thursday, and so it. it you know, you, you are losing runway here to kind of ease him back in. But ultimately, I think even if you can get him healthy and confine his impact even across maybe 15, 20 minutes a night, that still makes you a better team in more ways than I think it, it maybe creates obstacles because he's an experienced player and he's got a very, very distinctive skill set that nobody else on this team quite brings. Um, as for the seeding question, I think if Indiana goes 2-0 and this week, I think the floor is hardened under them at a 4. I, mm-hmm. I think that if, if they can finish off 2-0, and because as, as we all saw with Indiana last year, and we kind of get this reminder every year, cause we, all, we always get sucked into this idea that conference tournament weekend means more than it does to the committee because we get so excited about the results and right. talk about bubble teams and somebody makes an unexpected run and there are bid thieves and all that kind of stuff. The reality is the committee has to go into the weekend that, 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 that second conference tournament weekend with at least some idea of where it's going and what it's trying to do. Yes. Um, it's got to have a pretty firm bracket already put together because it can't just start at, you know, midnight Saturday and then sort of take in all of Sunday's results. I think if Indiana wins these next two games, if it finishes 2-0 and at home, then I think that given we already saw two weeks ago the committee basically say it thought Indiana was already the, the number one four seed in the in the field, and all Indiana's done since then is pick up a quality home win, an acceptable road loss, and a hugely quality road win. Right. So you would think that they're even more entrenched in the committee's thinking at this point. Go 2-0 this week, I think Indiana's a four. And then I think the question is basically can they climb to a three some of that probably comes down to how they perform in Chicago because you can, the conference tournaments don't mean nothing. They just don't mean quite what we think they do. But if maybe you're the top four seed and you win a game in your conference tournament and one of the bottom two, three seeds, you know, gets knocked out in their first game yes. and you jump them and then they fall down to a four and you move up to a three, I think it's possible for Indiana to get to a three. I think if they lost both games this week, a five would probably still be possible. But if you're asking me, like, likelihood of, of results, I'd say something like 60 to 70% four seed, maybe 20% three seed, 10% five seed. And I certainly think if Indiana can hold serve in these two games at home, we're talking about, at worst, a four seed on Selection Sunday. Yeah, I, I kind of concur with that with that analysis, which I knew you do very well. You know, the last thing is, and uh, I think the biggest thing for IU going into the last two games and then heading into the tourney, as you know, the conference attorney, can they get a bench production, get a, you know, that sixth, seventh guy to really be the guy coming in and, and contributing? I think they can. It's just a matter of them doing it. Xavier Johnson would help that situation very, very much. But we'll wait to see what happens 
here in the next couple games and then into the tourney. But, Zach, I appreciate you coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, as always. Zach Osterman from the Indianapolis Star giving his his lowdown on the Indiana Hoosiers game tonight against Iowa and a little bit of fortune-telling as it pertains to the uh, the seeding that the Hoosiers may accomplish by winning these next two games. But we'll find out more. And uh, did you have something? Yeah, I just wanted to say a uh, shout-out to Pat, who won oh. the uh, pair of tickets to the Horizon League Tournament Championship Congratulations, game. Congratulations, Pat. You're going to be able to see a wonderful, wonderful tournament championship game down there in Indianapolis for the Horizon League. And uh, we're going to step away here for a little bit, but we'll be right back. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Welcome back here to the Sports Rush Tuesday afternoon. High school sectional starting tonight and tomorrow. A lot of big things going on, right? Remember tonight, the <clears throat> Purdue Fort Wayne Mastodon's first round opponent is the Detroit Mercy Titans tonight here at 6:45 for the pregame show. Seven o'clock tip off, and the Pacers and Mavericks will be joined in progress. <clears throat> Thank you to all our guests today. It was great to talk to Mike Nutter, get his impression on the spring training, as well as Zach Osterman. To give us a breakdown of IU and Iowa tonight. And congratulations to our winners on all the uh, different drawings. The Doobie Brothers, what a big package that was. And then, of course, the last one was the uh, finals for the Horizon League Championship down in Indianapolis. Big week ahead of us. I don't know my situation tomorrow. Well, probably depends on what happens tonight against uh, up in Detroit. But, Adam, if I don't get to see you, have a great st- Great start on Hump Day and the weekend. And uh, little Doobie Brothers to take us out tonight, huh? Yeah, it only seemed fitting since we uh, gave away some tickets today to the Doobie Brothers. And uh, not going to say we're going to have more of this later this week to give away, but... Uh, tune in and see. Definitely tune in and see. Yeah, definitely. Yep, we'll do that. Everyone out there, have a great rest of the evening. Take care. And for Adam Lundy, our producer, I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Thanks for joining us today. Here on the Sports Rush, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Good night and God bless.